What is up? We are back. Football Life presents the Audible. I am back from my trek up north into the mountains. I am your host, Randy Hammond, joined by the man who held it down while I was gone, Matt Bushnell. How you doing, my friend? Good to see you. Oh, good to have you back, Randy. I, I am so pumped up today. A, a week six of football did not disappoint. We learned some things. We saw some things. We saw players move up in MVP rankings. We saw one particular player fall straight down. A hell of a weekend, Randy. Glad to have you back. I'm happy to be back. I love football. Love week six action in the fall. Uh, feels weird without the fans still a little bit, but it's nice to have some fall and Oct- uh, October football to talk about here. I'm excited to get going. We are going to recap each and every game of week six, Matt. We are going to preview Thursday night football, which features my no longer winless New York football giants. Uh, and we're going to give some fantasy advice and talk some news and injuries along the way. But Matt, we're going to start off with Monday night football and a matchup of what is supposed to be two high powered offenses, but one quarterback is gone making this offense less effective uh, but the Cardinals end up just absolutely putting it on the Cowboys last night much to my delight to be honest with you because I have such disdain for the Cowboys uh, the Cardinals win this game 38 to 10 despite a slow start from the Cardinals and a really unimpressive stat line from Kyler Murray uh, 9 of 24 188 yards two touchdowns but on the ground every week he kills teams on the ground he had 10 carries for 74 yards and a touchdown so Kyler Murray I mean, despite not the most impressive stat sheet, Cardinals get it done in prime time. Yeah, I think you come away from this game pretty impressed with the Cardinals defense above all else. I know it was Andy Dalton, and we're going to hear a lot about how Andy Dalton hasn't gotten a lot of reps with the offense, which is true. And, you know, backup quarterbacks never have enough time to prepare. But, man, if you didn't know Buda Baker before this game, he flashed a ton Again, quarterback sacks, interceptions, fumbles, all the stuff. He was everywhere around the field. And I thought it was pretty impressive. Uh, they referenced him being the highest paid safety in the NFL, which, you know what? I, I didn't think it, but there he was all game long. Um, Dallas just looks like a mess. Zach Martin is now possibly going to miss some time that offensive line is just in bad shape they can't set up their deep passing Andy Dalton doesn't have the arm strength to throw deep enough to CD Lamb Amari Cooper is basically being taken out of almost every game so when we take a look at the Arizona Cardinals and where they're at right now they're four and two I think they're in good shape in the NFC West you take a look at Dallas two and four first place in the nfc east i don't know if this game moved these teams for you at all randy but it's kind of where i thought both teams would kind of be at at this point yeah i mean the cardinals i think i was pretty high on more so than you even uh so four and two i think is the right step in the right direction for them obviously uh you'll take that uh obviously you had two losses in a row to uh, the Lions and to the Panthers, you probably could have won the Lions game, but uh, as our friend Corey Decker tells us, the Lions own them, so uh, you kind of let that go. They got right right, the, right of the ship against the Jets, which is the Jets is the, the gift that keeps on giving in that instance. Now the Cowboys, to me, uh, yeah, they lead the NFC East. Congratulations. That's like being the shiniest turd in the toilet bowl. Like, you just are not uh, a very impressive organization right now, especially when your best player, Dak Prescott, gets hurt. Like you said, Zach Martin gets hurt. Uh, you're already without Tyron Smith and Leo Collins. The Cowboys are so beat up right now. And then on top of that, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, who is 
one of the highest paid running backs in the league, one of their star players, does not help them at all here. He had two fumbles in the first half and lost both of them. He now has lost four fumbles on the year, which is a career high. Uh, it feels like the Cowboys are all but about to just fall off a cliff right now unless something changes. And there's a report out today that, you know, Mike McCarthy says that, that they felt like that was the most prepared they were for a game. And now uh, Cowboys players and coaches say that they are totally unprepared and they're just not very good at their job. So Cowboys just feel like they're about to completely implode. I don't know what you meant, but I'm here for it. I mean, Jerry Jones, the owner, I mean, this is kind of the staple. They are one of the most dysfunctional franchises year in and year out just because of everything that goes on. And they hired McCarthy and fired Garrett. What's the difference? I mean, it's basically the same dude. No one's really inspiring that bunch to play better. That defense is highly overpaid. You cannot keep on putting this piece of shit product out on the field. Like this is garbage defense. It's an insult to football fans everywhere. And I'll give the Cardinals credit. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins basically wasn't involved until the fourth quarter. He was under 20 yards receiving until the fourth when he had that big breakout reception. Christian Kirk was killing them. This Dallas defense can't stop a cold right now. And I think when you look at the Cardinals, where they're heading, I don't want to say it's a statement win, but defensively, they had to make up for the loss of Chandler Jones. And I think Buda Baker really showed up, and that helps a lot. And number 49, I cannot remember his name, but really a core special teams player. He had two sacks last week on, I think, 10 defensive snaps. He got a lot more snaps, and he was constantly in Dalton's face. So I think this is what the Cardinals – this is their formula going forward. They are going to have to blitz. They cannot just sit back and not blitz because that front four is not going to get pressure on them. You're the Cowboys. I, I think in order to right this ship, you're going to have to do a lot of screen games because teams will bring the heat. Dalton's not going to get a lot of time to throw. They're not going to respect the deep ball. So really the Cowboys are in a really, really difficult spot here. Yeah, I just don't love what I've seen from the Cowboys. The body language looked bad yesterday. The defense has been atrocious all year long, and now <laughs> you lose even more help on the offensive line. Um, to me, the Cowboys are all but toast here. I mean, they're 2-4. and four. Congratulations. You lead the division. I wouldn't be all that proud of it. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen to the Cowboys. Maybe Andy Dalton can strike some sort of rapport with the pass catchers, but even when you're shorthanded on the offensive line like you are uh, and the defense is a bit banged up as they are uh, and as, as poor as they played, uh, Zeke literally kills them by putting the ball on the turf twice. Um, this team is dysfunctional, like you said, uh, and, you know, it's all going to, you know, unfold here coming up. And I, I mean, Mike McCarthy might be one and done. I mean, we might be looking at a situation where Mike McCarthy is toast after a year. And I, I mean, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm rooting for that at this point, especially with no Dak, you got no chance. Uh, I know the division's bad, but I wouldn't even want to win the division if I'm a Cowboys fan. Just let it go. Let McCarthy go and try to get a better coach for next year. But uh, Matt, we're going to move on now because uh, we had two Monday games. Thank you to the coronavirus because this game would have been originally on Thursday night football, been since replaced onto Monday football. This was a CBS, uh, a Fox game actually uh, with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the call. And um, you know, we didn't get a Thursday night game. The bills played last Tuesday while we were live. Mind you, we, we had to do the show a little early because that game was being played, but this game kind of shook out the way we expected a heavy downpour in Western New York, which is football weather. If you ask me, uh, I love a little weather in my life when it comes to football. I mean, this is what makes football great. You can play through the elements, but the chiefs pull away and went 26 to 17. And Matt, uh, if you watch this game, it didn't even feel like it was all that close. 
No, I mean, the Chiefs, and, and this is what I keep on, t- I, this is the team that I thought we would see more of in the, you know, coming into offseason. They don't need to blow people out by a bunch of points for the game to feel so far apart, you know, the two teams. The Chiefs ran for almost 300 yards on the ground. Let me repeat that, 300 yards rushing, <laughs> 300 yards on the ground, and they beat the living dog piss out of that team. The Buffalo Bills front, they were supposed to be this vaunted defense coming into this year. You know, this was the Super Bowl contender, and they could not look further. The distance between the Chiefs and the Bills could not look greater than what it did last night because essentially the Chiefs said, we can play your game, but we can play it better than you, and they did. I mean, they didn't let the Bills rush for a lot of yards in the first half. They kind of kept it close. And then when the Chiefs needed to score, there was Travis Kelsey in the end zone scoring touchdowns. So to me, the biggest indictment is Josh Allen. This is supposed to be the MVP. The MVP of the NFL, Josh Allen. Everyone tells us, Randy, we get so much shit because everyone wants to say Josh Allen's the MVP. So many people are like, that's my MVP. That's my MVP. What did the MVP do yesterday? 122 yards passing. Uh, did, did he break 40% completion percentage? Because uh, I don't think he did. He was 14 and 27, so that's just under 50%. So the vaunted Josh Allen, MVP. These are the games that you win the MVP trophy on, right? I mean, th- this is a statement game. You're on national TV. Show up, big dog. Instead, Josh Allen is the quarterback that we knew he overthrowing wide receivers, underthrowing wide receivers. Granted, there was a couple of drops in there, but Josh Allen's supposed to be the man, Randy. What the hell happened? Mm-hmm. Hey, I think the elements uh, have a lot to do with that, but you know, Patrick Mahomes didn't seem to have much issue. Uh, he was 21 to 26, 225 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Allen, I mean, the stat sheet is not kind to him. 14 to 27, 122 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, the pick essentially ended the game. Um, I mean, it did end the game. They had no timeouts left when the pick happened. He also didn't have as, as an effective a game on the ground. Allen had eight carries, 42 yards, but typically he's more involved that way. This game is a culmination of what we've been talking about with Josh Allen. You can look at the stats. He lit it up the first four weeks. Absolutely. He played great. Um, but he still makes these mistakes. He still makes these dumb decisions and he's still not the most accurate passer of the football. And like I said, I credited his success early on in the season to Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs makes him so much better than he actually is because he makes insane catches. He had a, a beautiful toe drag swag touchdown in this game. And it was a good throw by Allen too. I'm not going to get discredited Allen for that throw, but Diggs makes that play and makes Allen look better. So to me, Allen, yeah, he has gotten better because as we spoke about so much in the offseason, could not get much worse. Um, but Josh Allen's still very far away from any sort of MVP conversation for me anyway. Um, but to me, game is less about the Bills and more about the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the cream of the crop in the NFL. The fact that they have this chameleon almost patriot like personality where they can adapt playing styles uh which i didn't even know they were capable of until this game but i mean they had 46 carries to 245 yards as a team yesterday i mean that is uh not something you expect from the chiefs you think of high powered uh passing games with big plays um clyde edwards elaire probably is going to have the best game of the year because we're going to talk about another addition that they made to their offense but he had 26 carries 161 yards i mean they just dominated the time of possession I mean, this game uh, was all Kansas City the whole time. And the scoreboard shows that they lost uh, by nine. But 
you know, this game was 23 to 10 late. Josh Allen comes back, scores a touchdown. And the Chiefs had a chance to even put it away even more, settle for a field goal and end up winning by nine, Matt. But to me, you know, the Chiefs are going to win a lot of games. And I, I'm more afraid of the Chiefs now knowing that they can adapt playing styles against other teams. Well, the scary thing about the Chiefs, too, is they had to move Mitchell Schwartz from guard to tackle because mm-hmm. their guards are – and then they lost their left guard. So they're without their two starting guards this year, and they're, they're without their primary backup guard who opted out because of COVID. If this team had both their starting guards and their entire offensive line intact, I mean, it, it'd just be over with. This team is so much better than I think a lot of – I'll say this. Tennessee and Pittsburgh are the only viable threats, in my opinion. I have to see Kansas City against Tennessee again, and I have to see if how they match up with Pittsburgh. Obviously, I don't believe Pittsburgh and Kansas City play this year, but that would be a matchup I would die to see. I think that would be a primetime AFC championship game. But, man, Kansas City just looks like they can do whatever they want to any defense in the NFL, and I don't think they can stop them. Yeah, I think the way you're going to beat Kansas City is in a shootout. And if their defense plays as well as they did yesterday, it's going to be very, very hard to beat them. Uh, I don't know if any offense uh, can can keep up with them. And I think that, you know, we're looking at a best-case scenario for a Super Bowl to be the Chiefs against the Seahawks and let Russell Wilson and Pat Mahomes just duel it out. And I'm getting all excited just thinking about it, Matt. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sold on the Seahawks yet. Seahawks got to show me some things. I, I'm just dreaming about the quarterback matchup. That's all. I'm not saying the Seahawks are going to make it, but I, that's all I'm dreaming about. Okay. All right. All right. I want Wilson versus Mahomes in the worst way. Anyway, uh, moving on to the other primetime game of the week. And this game was a snooze fest, Matt, uh, a battle in the AFC West, which uh, the NFC West, which is the best division in football right now. Uh, but the Niners bouncing back and getting, uh, getting back on track here and Jimmy G playing, but well, for the first time, I think all year, really. Uh, and they beat the Rams who, you know, we lauded, you know, big time last week. We gave them a lot of credit for being better than we thought, but they lay a stinker in this game. They lose 24 to 16 to the rival 49ers in the battle for California. Um, Jared Goff, not playing very well, 19 to 38, 198 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. And Jimmy G, like I said, probably the best game he's had all year, 23 to 33, 268 yards, three touchdowns. And to me, my initial thought is this is a Kyle Shanahan special. I give Kyle Shanahan a lot of crap for how he manages the Super Bowls, but there's no doubt about it. He is one of the best coaches in the NFL. To me, I think the book is out on Sean McVay and Jared Goff at this point. Um, I, I know I personally apologize to the Rams for ignoring them. And then <laughs> I, as I'm watching this game, Randy, I'm like, man, the Rams look like they suck. <laughs> what, what's the deal with this team? So I go and I take a look at who they beat. Dallas, Philly, New York Giants, and the Washington Football Club. NFC East, I, let's go. <laughs> I mean, that, that's pretty much it. So I, I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, those, none of that's impressive. I don't look at that and I'm like, man, my God, this, this Los Angeles Rams team's a good team. So then, you know, you just watch the game and they take everything away. Here's the problem with Jared Goff. Jared Goff is only as good as long as Sean McVay is talking to him through the helmet. Once that mic cuts off and that defense goes into a different coverage and a different scheme, Jared Goff is fucked. 
And that's been the book. That's how the Bears showed the Patriots back in 2018 when the Bears beat the Patriots or beat the Rams. The Bears did so by showing Goff something. McVeigh's communicating into his headphones or into the helmet. And then all of a sudden the Bears switch up coverage and Jared Goff has no idea where to go through the football and he throws four picks. Then you take a look at the Super Bowl that year against the Patriots. Bill Belichick was like, damn, Vic Fangio, great defensive coordinator. Let's mm-hmm. run the same thing. Jared Goff sucked in the Super Bowl. There's no denying how bad Jared Goff played in that Super Bowl. So then you take a look at the 49ers, a lot of the same things. You take away those deep crossing routes from the Rams, they can't do anything offensively to hurt you. Yeah, go ahead. Let, you know, what's his name? Uh, Daryl Henderson get, get his yards. I think he rushed the ball 14 times, 88 yards, you know, not bad. But it's the insistence on Goff and McVeigh to throw the football that hurts this team. And then defensively, you have Aaron Donald, you have Jalen Ramsey. But guess what? There ain't much else there. The 49ers, and granted, there is no tight end in the NFL as good as George Kittle outside of Travis Kelsey. So those two are 1A, 1B. I don't care how you want to put them. You know, it's just either or. It just depends what system you like to run. But, man, they abused the middle of that um, Rams defense. And you know what? I take back what I said about the Rams. I'm not sorry for putting you in fourth place. You know, I'm not sure if you'll finish there, but you damn sure deserve to. After that performance, there's no doubt about it. But I mean, division games, I there's always something about division games that are weird, but the Rams to me, and you're right, you're right on about Jared Goff and, and you have kids met. So this is going to be a quick, uh, um, just met, here i don't know if you ever watched spongebob but i, I kind of watched spongebob when i was a kid which doesn't seem like it's that long ago but it kind of is um i don't know there's an episode of spongebob where, where he takes his driver's test but he has no idea how to drive and there's patrick with a microphone in his head telling him what to do for each step of the way and once he loses the walkie-talkie and he doesn't have anything like telling anyone, anyone telling him what to do, he forgets how to drive and he's driving like a maniac and he doesn't pass his driver's test again. Uh, that to me is Jared Goff. And I think we found the perfect analogy that Jared Goff is SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> trying to pass his driver's test. And I've, I, you've laid it out perfectly. That's exactly what he is to me. Um, is if McVeigh is in his ear telling him, all right, this is what the safety's doing. This is what the linebacker's doing. We're going to run cup on a deep crossing route. You throw the cup. And then once that communication is gone, Goff is like, floor it. Floor it? No, no, don't floor it. He's going to floor it anyway, and it's not going to be very good. So that's my analogy for Jared Goff. Matt, what do you think? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not a big SpongeBob guy, you know, but I mean, that's exactly what it is. I mean, we're at that point. I don't know why anybody would call anything else. Just play this defense against Goff. I mean, obviously some defenses can't because they don't have the personnel to do it. But, yeah, so someone needs to tell old Goffy um, – how to drive his old vehicle because um, this ain't working. Yeah. Um, shout out to Mostert, who was probably going to miss some time here. We'll talk about him a little later. Um, he had a nice game, 17 carries, 65 yards. Uh, George Kittle is the man. I mean, this is probably the best game he's had so far this year. He obviously had injury problems, but seven catches, 109 yards and a touchdown. Um, so, I mean, Sean McVay and the Niners maybe starting to come around here. They're three and three in this loaded division. So it's going to be going to be interesting to see how this shakes out but those are the primetime games for the week matt we have a whole rest of the slate to talk about week six why don't you get us started 
Yeah, so we have Titans and Texans on board, Randy, and what a classic this game turned out to be. Deshaun Watson tried to do his Superman impersonation. He gave it his all, and we cannot credit Deshaun Watson enough. I think he's a fantastic quarterback. He still has room to improve, but 28 of 37, 335 yards, and four touchdowns, no picks against a Tennessee defense that basically made Josh Allen their bitch. So we see this game from Deshaun Watson. Not bad. David Johnson. I mean, this, this trade is looking worse and worse. 19 carries 57 yards, one touchdown, basically three yards per carry. That ain't good enough. Will Fuller. Good on the deep ball, six receptions, 123 yards, one touchdown, 11 targets. But Deshaun Watson threw four different touchdowns to four different receivers. So he's really spreading the ball. But this is about the Titans. Ryan Tannehill, 30 of 41, 364 yards, four touchdowns. Derrick Henry, if you had Derrick Henry on your fantasy team this week, you ate and you ate a lot. 22 carries, 212 yards, two touchdowns. 9.6 yards per carry. Jerry McNichols. I've never heard of Jerry McNichols. Five carries, 51 yards, 10.2. This defense allowed 10.2 yards per carry. That is not good enough to get it done. Once again, Tannehill has become one of the few players to throw multiple touchdown passes. So uh, three I, th- I think it was five games with three or more touchdown passes in a row. So credit to Tennessee. They win big or they win in overtime, 42, 36, but bad news. We'll touch on it later. A big offensive line injury on the last play of the game. Yes, indeed. Uh, we will touch on um, the, the Titans offensive line situation, but uh, one of the more entertaining games of the week for sure. Another entertaining game was the Cincinnati Bengals and the Indianapolis Colts. And the Bengals will lead this game by three touchdowns at one point, Matt, uh, making this the first time in NFL history that uh, uh, a three-score differential was come back from and overcame uh, and every week of the season. I believe that, I, I believe that stat is correct. I, I would love for someone to fact-check me, but I believe that's what I saw, and that is an unbelievable statistic. Everyone thought it was going to be the Lions, especially our friend Vince, uh, but it was not. It was the Indianapolis Colts overcoming a deficit. Uh, they win 31-27. to and Phillip Rivers had an insane second quarter, and they put up three touchdowns just the second quarter alone. Uh, Phillip Rivers finishes 29 of 44, 371 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. I mean, I give Phillip Rivers a lot of crap, but he played really well in this game. He still doesn't have the greatest arm, but it's accurate. And, the Col- I mean, for some reason, I'm playing Trey Burton in two fantasy leagues, and he, of course, scores two touchdowns. It makes no sense. But, uh, of course, that's what happens. Um, Joe Burrow. Played a nice game, 25 of 39, 313 yards. Didn't get in the uh, didn't get in the end zone himself, and he did throw a pick. So, Joe Mixon, uh, I, I believe, did get injured in this game, but he had 18 carries and 54 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Giovanni Bernard filled in okay. I mean, not really okay, but he had eight carries, 15 yards, and a touchdown. Did score. Uh, he'll probably be a guy being used quite a bit moving forward and rookie T Higgins for the Bengals, six catches, 125 yards. He looks great. I mean, every, I mean, every time he catches the ball, I'm like, Oh, it's Chad Johnson. Number where's number 85. You shouldn't be allowed to wear number 85 on the Bengals. That's what I'm going to think every time AJ green had a nice bounce back game too. We've talked about how bad he's looked so far. He had eight catches for 96 yards on 11 targets, but the Colts, um, they are resilient. Frank Reich is an incredible play caller. They have, a, they have the best offensive line still 
uh, in the NFL. We were talking about offensive lines before the show. They probably do have the cream of the crop when it comes to offensive lines. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, 12 carries for 60 yards. That was all the doing rushing-wise. But Trey Burton gets a rushing touchdown at the goal line. Makes no sense. Um, and Phil Rivers passing, passing the ball around. Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine different players with a catch in this game. Um, so, I mean, Phil Rivers really spinning around. T.Y. Hilton only with one of those catches, mind you. Um, but the Colts, credit to them, went down big. Uh, second half, um, pretty uneventful, but then they scored 10 in the fourth quarter to eventually win this game. Bengals miss a long field goal to make it a little bit more interesting, but nonetheless, Colts are 4-2 and two now, looking like a pretty solid playoff uh, contender, and the Bengals are 1-4-1, and four and one, and despite being competitive in a lot of these games, uh, still have some work to do as far as finishing games goes. All right, on to the Baltimore Ravens against the Philadelphia Eagles. Randy, we both predicted an upset, and we came oh so close. Oh so close we came. Um, literally, Carson Wentz, 21 of 40, 213 yards, two touchdowns. Eh, you know, Carson Wentz has got to start making some you know, more accurate throws. He can't keep on going 21 for 40, even with all the injuries. The injuries hurts this team a lot. Miles Sanders, and we're going to talk about this later, nine carries, 118 yards for a 13.1 yards per carry. This is like rushing the ball this week. If you had a running back in fantasy, chances are you did okay. But once again, we kind of take a look at this team. The Eagles have to get healthy. They cannot keep on getting in big holes early. At one point, I believe they were down 24 to six and they rally with 22 mm -hmm. points. Uh, Ravens, you got to be a little bit concerned if you're a Ravens fan. Lamar Jackson, 16 of 27, 186 yards throwing and a touchdown in a passing league with all the rules favoring passing. You got to see more from Lamar with that. Although he did carry the ball nine times for 108 yards and a touchdown. The rest of the rushing attack didn't do a whole lot. J.K. Dobbins, nine carries, 28 yards. Gus Edwards, 14 for 26. He did score a touchdown. Mark Ingram, five for 20. They got to figure out this running back rotation. Uh, Mark Ingram should not have only five carries. That is a problem. And then uh, wide receivers, Nick Boyle, three catches, 33 yards, a touchdown. Marquise Hollywood Brown, four receptions, 57 yards. And we get a Ravens winner, 38 to 28. We were so close, Matt. We were very close to our upset pick of the week. Uh, the Eagles fought hard for us, but they could not get it done. All right, moving on to Minnesota, where the Atlanta Falcons are no longer winless any longer. Raheem Morris taking over for Dan Quinn, getting the Falcons off the schneid in their first win, 40-23, to and this game was not close. The Falcons were up 30-7 to at one point in this game, and the Vikings just bad, bad, bad. And it starts with Kirk Cousins, who in garbage time ended up racking up enough, you know, 24 30 343 yards, three touchdowns, but he had three just brutal interceptions in the first half. You've been pounding this drum all year. Kirk Cousins is not good at football, and it showed in this game. Uh, if you had Justin Jefferson in fantasy like I did, you enjoyed that performance. Adam Thielen uh, continues to have a solid year. He leads all NFL wide receivers with seven touchdowns. He adds another score. But the Falcons and Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, that connection that has been so good for the last decade, finally came out and played. Matt Ryan, 30 of 40, 371 
71 yards, four touchdowns. Julio Jones, eight catches, 137 yards, and two touchdowns. And one of those plays, Matt Ryan does something that he hardly ever does with his legs. He's rolling out to the left. Looks like he's going to just get sacked. He stops for a second, makes the defender pause, and then just floats one to Julio, who's wide open because the linebacker moves up. And Julio does the rest, takes it 40 yards, stiff arms a defender to the ground, and scores the touchdown um you know not a lot to say about this game other than the falcons were just kind of sick of losing raheem morris maybe energize this team a little bit the falcons have talent there's no doubt about that. they have a lot of first rounders on their team um and you know they i could see them maybe winning some games down the stretch here they're one at five so they're not going to make playoffs or anything like that but raheem morris maybe he's uh coaching for a job here and if they you know finish with a respectable record i could see him getting that job as far as the vikings goes they are one in five and it is not looking good for them that kirk cousins contract is just atrocious and with dalvin cookout they are just very, very difficult to watch. Their defense is very bad as well. So uh, I don't know how bad it's going to get for the Vikings, but in that division with the Packers and Bears, uh, even the Lions have shown that they are a better team than the Vikings have so far this year. So uh, I overestimated the Vikings in the offseason, and it looks like it's going to be a long one for them. I, I, saw, I saw this Vikings train wreck coming. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> you did. You All did. right. Now we have the Dolphins and the New York Jets, J E T S, Jets, Jets. Anyway, Dolphins win via big time, twenty-four nothing. Jets never had a chance. Um, the moral of this game is the big story: two a time, baby, two a two for two for nine yards, but that's good enough to win him the starting job after Fitzpatrick goes eighteen of twenty-seven, one hundred ninety-one yards. Three touchdowns, two interceptions, and what's scary, this game easily could have been 40 to nothing. The Jets offered no resistance. Um, Miles Gaskin, 18 carries, 91 yards. Matt Breida, six carries, 15 yards. Um, Jets, oh God, Jacob, I, I hate to do this to you. Joe Flacco, 21 of 44, 186 yards, one interception. Uh, the the newly released um, Le'Veon Bell may have helped rushing. Frank Gore, 11 carries, 46 yards. Ty Johnson, three carries, 42 yards. LaMichael Perrine, seven carries for 27 yards. Um, Receiving-wise, Bashard Perriman, four for 62. Jamison Crowder, seven for 48, but... Not a whole lot to do from there. And the big story coming out of this game is Sam Darnold trade rumors. They're starting to heat up. They want to trade Darnold. They want to trade Quinn and Williams. The Jets are going to look oh so different with that 0-16 record when it's all said and done. I hope that Trevor Lawrence pulls a John Elway and Eli Manning and says, I'm not going there. Uh, <laughs> they don't deserve Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> all right. We're going to move on because the Jets don't deserve any more time. Uh, we're going to move on to another team that doesn't deserve all that much time either. But uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, falling to Leon Tompkins, Detroit Lions, who are now two and three and look pretty damn good in this game. They took care of business. This was a blowout as we expected. They went 34 to 16. Stafford 19 at 31 223 yards one touchdown one pick uh, and they're getting the job done on the ground the Lions here they almost had 200 total yards rushing DeAndre Swift the rookie had 14 carries 116 yards two touchdowns um, 
I thought he caught a touchdown too. He did not, but uh, he's, he looked good in this game. Adrian Peterson still running hard 15 for 40 and a touchdown and Stafford adding 14 yards on the ground as well. And this team with Kenny Galladay, man, I really like their offense a hell of a lot more with him. He adds a dynamic that uh, Danny Amendola and Marvin Jones were not adding to this team. TJ Hawkinson gets in the end zone as well, but Kenny Galladay four catches, 105 yards. He is adds, he, he made an incredible play. And this is a heads up play by Stafford too, where, you know, the, every time you see a player come off sides, it's a, free play just chuck it up there try to make a play see what happens and Safford just floated one and Galladay made an incredible diving catch uh which set up you know a scoring drive so um great play by Galladay heads up play by Stafford as well um Hawkinson like I said he was a first round pick he had two catches for 17 yards and a touchdown um, the Lions offense, and I'm starting to buy into what Leon is saying here. They have so much potential to be, I don't think top five, but they could be a top 10 offense here. They have a lot of talent. And especially with Kenny Galladay, they appear to be playing much better. Um, Gardner Minshew does his uh, Gardner Minshew thing in garbage time, you know, 25, 44, 243 yards. Uh, he had a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown and he added a pick to that, but not a lot going on here for the Jags. Um, Keelan Cole, six for 143. He had a nice game, but DJ Chark, pretty disappointing this year, seven for 45. And this Jaguars defense, just not very good at all. Uh, they, they got lucky that they got the t- one turnover, but other than that, they offer little to no resistance. So, hey, the Lions are frisky. They're two and three. And, uh, you know, who knows? They could be that third team in that division over the Vikings. And I think it's actually heading that way. Yeah, boy. Mm, interesting NFC North. We'll touch on that a little bit later. <laughs> All right, we're going to move to a game that set offensive football back almost five decades, Randy. The Denver Broncos, yes, the Denver Broncos go to New England, go to New England and beat Bill Belichick, Cam Newton. We were so wrong about this game, but the Broncos were 18 to 12, 18 to 12. Player of the game, you ask? Absolutely. Let me give you the player of the game. Brandon McManus, six for six. His long was 54 yards. He racked up some serious fantasy points. No touchdowns for the Broncos. If you own Drew Lockstock, 10 for 24, 189 yards, and two interceptions. Philip Lindsay, 23 carries for 101 yards. So not bad. Not much else going on the ground game. Tim Patrick, I told you guys about him. Four mm-hmm. catches, 101 yards. That looks like their primary wide receiver. Jerry Judy. Two receptions, 32 yards. I thought he'd be more of a primary target there. Oh, Patriots. Cam, 17 for 25, 157 yards and two picks. Uh, Cam Newton on the ground, 10 carries for 76 yards, one touchdown. Uh, just you can't have your quarterback, your leading rusher, and your leading thrower. That's just – I don't know how that works out well for sustainability. But in this game, we see New England fall to 2-3, and three, and the Broncos rise to 2-3. and three. What a terrible AFC we have on our hands. <laughs> that game was uh, very unwatchable for sure. And now we're going to move on to another pretty unwatchable game, and it is the New York football G-Men. My big blue getting a victory over the Washington football team 20-19. to 19. This game was pretty awful as well. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to start here. Uh, the Giants go up 10 nothing. Cool. I love that. Um, and then Washington comes back and ties it up 10-10. Giants go up 13-10 at halftime. Pretty much nothing happens at all in the third quarter, and that's where it gets kind of interesting. Kyle Allen plays this game, uh, basically hands 
a fumble to Tay Crowder, Mr. Irrelevant, by the way, the very last pick in the draft, scoops it up, runs all the way back for a touchdown, giving the Giants the 20 to 13 lead. And then they're like, all right, cool. The Giants defense has played well. This game's over. They're going to, they're going to seal it. No, this is where Kyle Allen shines. Uh, the Giants defense does their classic Giants defense thing. Uh, and they let Kyle Allen drive all the way down the field where he throws a touchdown pass to uh, Sims, uh, Calvin Sims, I believe it was his first career touchdown, only target of the game. And then you're like, all right, they're going to tie it up and go in overtime. No. Ron Rivera doesn't have the nickname Riverboat Ron for no reason. He takes the gamble here. Uh, they're trying to win the game. They don't want overtime. They're trying to get on that that bus or that train to head back home. No. This was the worst play call probably of all time. Uh, they have Kyle Allen roll out to his left. Uh, looking, looking. He had an angle probably to run and dive at the end zone and maybe get the two-point, but he stops, he backs up, and at that point you have very little space to move with here. And he doesn't even give any receiver a chance. He just short arms it into the end zone and it falls gracefully to the ground. Uh, and then Jabril Peppers does a backflip and the Giants win. Uh, it's not pretty. It's not at all. Um, Daniel Jones, 12 of 18, 112 yards. A touch, he scores his first touchdown in three weeks and a beautiful throw to Darius Slayton, um, who had two catches for 41 yards and that touchdown. He also had an interception, which was a debatable interception. The guy looked like he was, his elbow was out of bounds. It could have been overturned, probably should have been overturned. But regardless, he should have thrown the ball away, which to even give the guy a chance, I guess, is uh, the criticism of Jones. Jones and his legs is, is the difference for me in this game. He had seven carries for 74 yards and he had a beautiful 49 yard touchdown run and he faked out the defense big time. So I love seeing Jones on the, on the ground. I love seeing him running. Uh, and uh, Devontae Freeman had a decent game himself, 18 carries for 61 yards. Um, you know, I just, my friend uh, Ethan here on Twitter had a great tweet and I just wanted to point out, this is what the Giants have come to here, um, but it took a missed field goal, a defensive scoop and score and a missed two point conversion conversion to beat a dog shit rebuilding Washington football team. But you know what, when you're on five and you're rebuilding and you have a new coach and a rookie, uh, not a rookie quarterback, but a quarterback who struggled all year, you'll take any win the way you can get it, Matt. I know that you're a Bears fan. You're not going to apologize for any of the wins that the Bears have had this year. I'm not going to apologize for this either. One and five Giants will take it. And uh, thankfully, because we have Philly on Thursday night, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, but Matt, please move us on from this God awful football game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just Ron Rivera, know your opponent, really know your opponent. I mean, the giants wouldn't scare me in overtime. Okay. No. <laughs> anyway, Steelers and Browns. I saw this one coming a mile away, Randy. Um, you unfortunately did not. Baker Mayfield nope. turns into a pumpkin, 10 of 18, 119 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. And it looked a hell of a lot worse than that. Um, Baker may be holding this team back at this point. That needs to be a serious discussion. Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt, 13, carries 40 yards. Um, really, the touchdown was to Rashard Higgins. Odell Beckham Jr., pretty much a non-factor, two for 25. Uh, Jarvis Landry, three for 40. Austin Hooper, five for 52. Uh, these numbers have to be better, especially when you're going against your division rival. Big Ben, 14 of 22, didn't need to do a whole lot. 162 yards, one touchdown. James Conner, 20 carries, 101 yards, one touchdown. Benny Snell, six carries, 17 yards, a touchdown. Chase Claypool, who Randy unceremoniously dropped in fantasy, two carries, seven yards, and a touchdown. James Washington had the lone receiving touchdown. And Chase Claypool led the team in receiving with four receptions, 74 yards. 
So there we go for the Steelers. Big story of the game is that they totally outclassed the there's such a difference in how good Pittsburgh is versus how good Cleveland is. Cleveland has addressed every weapon offensively, but when you take a look at what makes them stall, a lot of it has to do with Baker Mayfield. In that quarterback class, we had Baker, we had Sam, we had Josh Allen, we had Josh Rosen, and I believe we had Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. Far and away, Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in that class, and it is a gulf right now it is not mm-hmm. close and you take a look at you know just, just some of the stats like the tackles for losses i think are bigger but bud dupree had two sacks stuffing to it half a sack and i'm looking for tj watt and he had no sacks so mm-hmm. go back to the drawing board come up with better schemes cleveland is far away from pittsburgh i i just got the feeling it's going to be a pittsburgh and kansas city AFC Championship heavyweight Super Bowl, and I can't wait for that. Certainly looking like that for sure. Uh, I still love the Browns. Still happy with uh, with how they've looked so far this year, but they are not ready to compete with the best yet. Uh, still need to work on some things there. All right, uh, moving on to what was dubbed the game of the week. And sure, certainly did not shape up that way as much of America watching Joe Buck and Troy Aikman trying to uh, bore us to sleep early on Sunday afternoon uh, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just absolutely throttled the Green Bay Packers 38 to 10. And it didn't start off that way. Packers went up quick 10 nothing real fast. And you thought, hey, the Packers are going to put it all over the Bucks here. And then it turned really quick. Aaron Rodgers thinks he, gets, thinks he gets a rushing touchdown. Uh, does this old key and peel double thrust touchdown celebration that comes back and ends up not being a touchdown for Rodgers, ends up being a touchdown for Aaron Jones instead. And ever, and since that play, it all went downhill. Uh, the next possession, Aaron Rodgers throws a pick six uh, to – I'm trying to find the person who did it, but I can't seem to find that information right now. Uh, but regardless, he throws a pick six, uh, which is only the third pick six of his entire career, which is just bananas to me. Like, that is just the craziest stat of all time. Uh, and then the possession after that, Rodgers throws another interception, and that one gets brought all the way back to the four-yard line. So there's almost back-to-back pick sixes, and then Tampa just rolled from that point on. Rodgers played one of the worst games you'll ever see him play. 16 to 35, 160 yards, no touchdowns, and two picks just off all around. I mean, they didn't even rush the ball very well, had less than 100 yards rushing on the ground total. They even put in uh, Tim Boyle at the end of this game to get some snaps, which I thought they drafted a quarterback in the first round and he didn't even play. So that's interesting. Uh, Tom Brady, you know, he looked like a game manager in this game, but that's really all they needed him to be. He had 17 and 27. He was 17 and 27, 166 yards, two touchdowns, and a beautiful throw and catch to Gronk with his first touchdown since 2018, who did a left-handed uh, Gronk spike, which that was cool to see uh, Gronk get back into the swing of things here. Blaine Gabbert playing the end of the game for the Bucks, which was also very weird to see how this was the game of the week and America's game of the week, and it's Tim Boyle versus Blaine Gabbert in the fourth quarter of this game. Just absolutely brutal for Fox in the NFL. Uh, Ronald Jones is the man in this game. 20, 23 carries, 113 yards, two touchdowns. Um, you know, they are, he's the primary guy in that backfield. We've talked before about how it's kind of crowded with LaShawn McCoy and Keyshawn Vaughn and Leonard Fournette, who did not play in this game. But if I'm the Bucks, I am running Ronald Jones because he's running really well right now and he seems to have a good thing going. I've mentioned Gronk. 
five for 78 in that touchdown. It looks like Gronk uh, could be making a comeback here, but he doesn't look like the old Gronk. He looks skinny. He kind of looks old. He just looks like it's harder for him to move uh, these days. But uh, isn't that the case for all of us here? <laughs> but <laughs> it was good to see him uh, make a nice catch and get a Gronk spike in there. And then Tyler Johnson also getting in the end zone as well. Quiet day for, you know, Mike Evans, who had one catch for 10 yards. Godwin had five for 48. Uh, Scotty Miller only one for six Cameron Braid only one for three but Tampa getting the job done defensively and that was a big time step up game for them after they lost Vita Vea so good for them they're four and two and the Packers are four and one and these two teams you know they could be meeting again later in the NFC playoffs so we go from the now second place team in the NFC North to the first place team in the (laughs) NFC North how did that happen who set that up? It's like this. I, I, I'm telling you guys right now, bear the fuck down. Bear down, Chicago Bears. They go into Carolina. Only one man picked the Bears to win this game on the audible. One man. And everyone is looking at him right now that is tuning into this show. I said the Bears would win this game 23 to 20. They do one better. They win 23 to 16. I'm not complaining, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just figure out how we got here. Oh, Teddy Bridgewater. Everyone's like, oh, the Bears should have got Teddy Bridgewater. They should have signed him. 16 for 29, 216 yards, and two costly interceptions. Those were huge. Mike Davis. Mike Davis was talking a lot. Oh, my God. He was like, I'm so disrespected by the Bears. How dare they release me? You want to know why they released you, Mike Davis? Because you did what you did in this game. 18 carries, 52 yards for a 2.9 average and one touchdown that was gifted to them by a bullshit pass interference penalty on Jalen Johnson. And if these referees keep on calling pass interference on the Bears, I am going to start railing on the refs because that pass interference was straight up fucking garbage. DJ Moore, five receptions for 93 yards, but some costly drops in this game. A lot of costly drops. So then we go take a look at Robbie Anderson. I was told how great Robbie Anderson was. Four receptions, 77 yards, really a non-factor all game. All right, Bears, here we go. Nick Foles, 23 of 39, 198 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Yeah, not bad. David Montgomery, 19 carries for 58 yards. Got to see more, big fella. Nick Foles, five carries for four yards and a touchdown. A-Rob, five receptions, 53 yards. But ceremoniously, the big tight end they drafted in the second round, who we had some people on this show criticizing them. How dare they draft another tight end? Well, this tight end got his first touchdown of his young career. Big things ahead for Cole Komet. And then we take a look at the Bears defense, Randy. And, and this is where it's at. You know, Tayshawn Gibson, the Bears do this better than anybody else in the NFL. They will tip that ball up into the air and they just always have guys flocking to the football. So Tayshawn Gibson with that big interception that set up that first touchdown to go up 7 nothing. DeAndre Houston Carson plays a perfect underneath zone, picks off Teddy Bridgewater to end the game. Roquan Smith was everywhere this game, and I mean everywhere. You turned on this game, glad to see the big fella showing up in that one. Cleo Mack gets a sack. Belial Nichols gets a sack. Uh, Mario Edwards gets a sack. James Vodders gets half a sack. Everyone gets a sack. You get a sack. You get a sack. Everyone gets a sack. So 
I just need to address some of the Bears haters real quick, and even some Bears fans. So let's just talk about this for a second, Randy, because I am so fucking sick of the disrespect for this football team. Offensively, are they challenged? Yes. But everyone wants to say they're gifted wins. They're gifted wins. So you're telling me five NFL teams gifted the Bears wins. Sorry, Leon, your Lions suck. That's why they couldn't seal the deal against the Bears, and that's why garbage can Mitch Trubisky came back and beat their asses with three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Falcons, everyone wants to criticize the Falcons. Well, the Falcons just beat the dog piss out of who? The Minnesota Vikings. Now let's talk about the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, those Buccaneers that racked up – 38 points against the Packers. Oh, what did the Bears do? The Bears held them to 19 points, 20 to 19. This team is going to win by defense. And I'm so sick of the lack of disrespect by NFL fans not to realize that defense matters in the NFL. Granted, offenses are what's flashy. Everyone's like, oh, wants these convincing wins. But damn it, defense makes a hell of a difference. And if you don't have a good one, you end up like the Dallas Cowboys. You want to be the Cowboys? Huh? Everyone want to be the Cowboys? I would rather be five and one than two and four. I don't give a damn how they got here. I told everyone this team's going 11 and five this year. I said it to start before the season started, Randy. And I'm telling you right now, Bears fans, before you start puffing out your chest, don't worry. It's probably a first round knockout in the playoffs anyway. (laughs) At least you realize that. I think that, uh, you know, I I have nothing but respect for the Bears defense. I've said that all year long with you. Uh, I think they are the most complete defense in the NFL. Um, I mean, the Steelers are a great defense as well, and I'm very high on the Bucks defense, but the, the, the Bears defense from top to bottom is very complete and is in totality uh, probably the best defense in the league. But my issue with the Bears has always been uh, the offense and how extremely challenged they are on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that it's not even an understatement. They are very challenged on that side of the ball. I think – you know, they focus on Allen Robinson quite a bit. Even uh, Nick Foles has not looked very good so far this year, despite that second half comeback against the Falcons. But credit to the Bears. They are almost like the bizarre, uh, bizarro Falcons, where the Falcons find ways to lose all these games. The Bears are finding ways to win these games. At the end of the day, all that matters is you have more points than the other teams. And here we are, the Bears, 5-1. and one. Uh, You know, you can talk all your shit you want right now, Matt. After six weeks, 5-1 and one is you know, as bad as, you know, almost as good as it can get. So I uh, certainly did not see them leading the NFC North at this point in this year. So we'll see how the rest of the year shakes out. Despite how uh, lucky I feel the Bears have gotten, you need luck in football. So I'm not going to discredit the Bears for that because we'd all take five and one right now and we'd all take that defense. So I'm not going to give you any crap for that, Matt. And congratulations on being five and one, Matt. Anything else you want to break down in this game before we move on to the news and injury segment of the show? A couple of things. Uh, The Bears offensive line is going to be a huge issue going forward. They cannot get anything going on the ground. Um, Talking to people, I think one of the big things is what makes this team a little bit less believable is because you can't run the football. It's one thing to have a great defense, but if you could complement that with running the football and controlling the clock, it makes a hell of a big difference. When this team, and I, I said it last week too, if the Bears can get you behind like they did the Panthers and those defenders start putting their ears back, it's going to be a very difficult day for that offense to move the football. Um, we saw another pass interference calling Kyle Fuller. And I, th- I do think it was pass interference where Eddie Jackson got it and would have scored the touchdown, but neither here nor there, but they have to find a way to get better at left and right tackle on this offense. If they don't, I am really concerned about Nick Foles lasting the year. And if Nick Foles gets hurt, 
that might be it for this team. Nick Foles is such a dramatic improvement on this offense with Trubisky. I don't think they win this game, Randy, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I can't see it against a good Panthers team. Nick Foles doesn't make that back breaking mistake where it just really sets you back. So I, I'm okay with where this team is at, but Nagy has to figure something out with that, with those tackle positions because they get beat by nobodies and it's pretty scary. Yeah, the Bears offense um, certainly leads a lot to be desired on, on the football field. Uh, it, that's why I thought they were going to be a candidate for uh, our friend Le'Veon Bell, who we're going to talk about in just a second. Uh, but the offensive line, if it's bad, it's hard to run the football regardless. So we'll see how the rest of the Bears season shakes out, Matt. But it is time now to move on to the news. And we're going to start off with the news that broke this morning. And that's RIP to our friend Vader over in Wrestling Life. But it, it's time. It's time. It's Tua time. The Dolphins have announced that Tua Tungavailoa will be the team's number one quarterback moving forward. And this is interesting timing because the Dolphins are now three and three and in first place in the AFC East. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick really playing well too. So this is also coming surprise that, uh, but this is now the Dolphins bye week. So they have some time to prepare. Um, what do you make of the timing of this decision right now, Matt? I think it makes sense. I think with the bye week this week for the Dolphins, they can give two or two weeks to prepare. Granted, you beat the Jets 24 to nothing, and now you're three and three. You have to find out what you have in Tua. And I know the Rams, I don't believe in them. I still think defensively with Aaron Donald, it makes a difference. And I think speeding up that clock for Tua to make decisions could hurt. But I would rather know what the Dolphins have at the quarterback position going into next year. And even if his stats are not great, get a good feel for him. How does he handle the huddle? How, do, how is he seeing the field? Getting that stuff on tape so you can make those improvements. We talked about it, Randy. I mean, eventually you got to throw this guy out there to see what you have. A lot of people will cite Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick's not winning this division. Uh, and if he does, I don't know how the hell he does it. But Fitzpatrick ain't beating the Chiefs. He ain't beating the Bills. He ain't beating the Steelers. He ain't beating the Ravens. And I'm forgetting the Titans there too. So you, you need to see if Tua can take you to that next level offensively. So that way, then you can start addressing it. I, I do like some of their offensive weapons. I think that is something they can improve upon with Parker and a couple of those other guys. But now you need to know what you need to do to build around Tua moving forward. And I think this is the right time to do it. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I think it's, they're in a perfect situation. It's hard to ask for a better mentor than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, as Tua came into that game against the Jets, he's on the sideline trying to get the crowd, the small crowd allowed it at, in Miami to, you know, cheer for Tua. Uh, he knew how much it meant to Tua. Tua, after the game, uh, kind of comes out back onto the field, sits at the 15-yard line, and FaceTimes his family, who weren't allowed to be there, obviously. Uh, I love that. I love that Fitz, Fitz is all in on Tua himself. Tua is a great ambassador. I mean, Fitz is a great ambassador to the game. Great guy to be your mentor someone who could support you and teach you for this year. So I think the Dolphins handled this pretty well. Brian Flores seems to have a pretty good idea of what to do now. <laughs> so, I mean, Tua, I mean, he'll probably struggle, but at the same time, you need him to get these reps and you need him to play because if he's not the guy you need to know sooner or later. So I don't hate it, but at the same time, you know, they're in first place. If he's good, you know, they don't, we might be talking about the Dolphins here as a team that can make a, make the AFC a little interesting here in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, he'll get the start on November 1st uh, against the Rams. Yep. All right, and, moving and, on. 
Well, the, credit to Felipe, uh, Preston Williams and Isaiah, and Isaiah Ford are the two other guys I was thinking of on that offense. Mm-hmm. Yes, and they saw Mike Kosicki and Miles Gaskin, and they have a they have a, a bunch of little pieces there that I think would be be good for Tua. All right, and news that happened last Thursday that we didn't get the chance to talk about because I was in the mountains uh, and Adirondacks in upstate New York. Uh, but Le'Veon Bell signing with the defending champion Chiefs and just adds another layer, another element to an already unbelievable offense. Uh, um, you could say Bell is ring chasing, but at the end of the day, if, if a contender can get a, a valuable playmaker, a guy who can move the, the sticks if they need, uh, then they're going to go after him, obviously. But I thought Bell would be a good fit for the Bears, but here he is on the Chiefs. Man, I, I take a look at this signing, and it's just like they're going to do some weird stuff. And, like, you take a look at a lot of other teams, and I kind of put Andy Reid in that category of, like, a mad scientist. He's going to go in the lab. He's going to draw up some shit, and a defense is going to have no idea what the hell to do. And then you're going to see Le'Veon Bell with a couple of big plays a week probably. It's, it's going to be embarrassing for the Jets when Jets fans have to watch the Chiefs and how they use Le'Veon Bell, because it's just going to further that gap of how dumb Adam Gase is and how intelligent Andy Reid is, because you have a player like Andy, or I'm sorry, like Le'Veon Bell and the Jets, you could tell you watch Jets tape. They had no idea how to use Le'Veon Bell and they didn't do anything to support them. And from day one, Gase hated that signing. So, you know what? Better to cut the cord. You don't like a guy, that's fine. But Adam Gase has single-handedly ruined this franchise for the Jets while we're going to see Le'Veon Bell tear it up for the for the Chiefs. I mean, he's going to do a good job. I don't know if he takes Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's position as the number one back. I don't think he should. But with what they can do with Hilaire and Bell, it's going to be pretty good. As far as the Bears go, I, I'm guessing there was no real interest on Le'Veon Bell's part to go to Chicago, which, I mean, you really can't blame them because that offense is sputtering. I, I think when you take a look at landing spots, no better spot for a Le'Veon Bell than with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, what luxury is it for the Chiefs to have Le'Veon Bell be their third down back? <laughs> like, it's just – it feels so unfair that they could just plug a guy in like Bell and just – you don't really – you don't really – you know what, we don't really need you, but, you know, Pat Mahomes is in trouble on third down. He's just going to check it down to you and – We'll see what happens. Um, as far as contract goes, I just want to mention this. The Chiefs are going to pay him a base salary of a million, uh, but because the season is already six weeks old, that'll be prorated into 690000 But that's not, not a big deal to Bell because you know why? Remember that contract you just talked about with the Jets? Yeah, that was four years, $52.5 million. Uh, and that was mostly guaranteed. So uh, the Jets are going to pay him $8.5 million this year, uh, despite him not playing anymore for them. Uh, so this, he, they, he will pay, they will pay him uh, the remaining $6 million of his base salary for the rest of this year. Uh, the damn Jets uh, strike and, again. Uh, and they get to play the Chiefs. Ahead. The Jets are playing the Chiefs this year. So, I mean, if you're a Jets fan, I mean, you got two options. You can either sit down and watch this game and punch yourself in the balls every time Bell touches the football or just do yourself a favor and don't watch this. 
don't don't punch yourself in the balls that sounds cyclical but uh, uh just maybe not watch maybe go for a hike or something it was quite peaceful up north jacob i know you don't live very far from the adirondack park maybe go up there check out lake placid and uh enjoy yourself like i did this past weekend all right <laughs> moving on. Uh, with another not really moving on because we have another jets move here but um they trade no tackle steve mcclendon to the bucks and the only reason i'm bringing this up because we talked about the lack of uh vita vea presence that the bucks are going to have now I don't think he's quite Vita Vea, but I think he fills a need that they definitely had after Vita Vea's injury. And the Jets um, get, you know, two late round picks or they get a 2022 sixth round pick uh, and they send McClendon in a 2023 seventh round pick to the Bucks. So, um, I mean, the Bucks at this point, I just looking for a replacement for Vita Vea. And I kind of like this move as an under the radar um, transaction. I mean, I don't see the downside to this. Like, you, you get a big body down there. You need big bodies. You can't get enough of them, especially in Tampa when it's hot right now. And you, you, you do – I mean, you just got to throw bodies. When Vita Vea gets hurt, you just need to put guys there. Just get guys there. Keep them fresh. Rotate them. Get them in and out. McClendon, I thought, was a decent player for the Jets. And this team – I mean, maybe Douglas just wants to blow it up and make sure that Gase can't somehow pull a win out of his ass. But overall, I, I mean, this Jets team is so bad. They're trading quality players. They trade Quinn and Williams. What's left? Like, really, what the hell is left of this team? I mean, you're preventing Greg Williams from running anything defensively. Meanwhile, you give Todd Bowles another defensive body in Tampa that can make a difference. And I, I think it's going to help the Bucks. And Jesus Christ two sixth round picks for yeah man ah boy yeah i mean look i'm not saying he's vita vea but when you have uh shaquille barrett and jpp already on that defensive line and adamic and sue uh, you have to think that's only going to make mcclendon's life a little easier and i think he'll be just fine as a replacement for vita vea all right, moving on to now injuries of the week, and we have a few of them. But Baker Mayfield, uh, I wanted to touch on quick because they are citing a ribs injury for him, and that's why they took him out of the game. He took some shots um, that may have worsened his performance. I feel like that is sort of an excuse that they're making for Baker Mayfield at this point. But if there is lingering rib issues, then we might be seeing more Case Keenum for the Browns. Uh, what do you make of it? I mean, I've never had broken ribs or anything, but I've heard it's pretty serious. I've had a cracked rib and it is extremely painful to breathe. I can tell you that much. And that was just a cracked rib. Uh, at the end of the day, though, it, it does come off as an excuse. You, mm-hmm. What's Baker Mayfield at this point? Is he that dude? Is he that guy? I don't think so anymore. And you're talking about one of the more mentally fragile athletes at the quarterback position. He has to go on Colin Cowherd and defend himself because he feels like, oh, you know, I have to do it. Whereas a guy like, you know, I, I hate to bring up Eli Manning or other quarterbacks of that ilk, Daniel Jones. They just kind of go about their business, you know, just mm-hmm. hit the books. And I mean, Daniel Jones may not even be that good, but it's that constant need to validate his own ego. Yeah. That's that that's really killing him right now. In my opinion, Baker Mayfield needs, he needs to call progressive first of all, and tell them to stop airing those damn commercials. Hulu because, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just just stop him all right because this ain't like if you're patrick mahomes yes you can be on state farm commercials and whatever hell else commercials you want to be on because you're patrick freaking mahomes but you're baker mayfield dude you're not lighting it up like he had an okay rookie year through a bunch of picks through a bunch of touchdowns but ever since then he's gotten worse and the browns are enabling this behavior 
Yeah, I like uh, Kevin Stefanski a lot, and I think he is going to be good for the Browns. He has been good for the Browns so far, uh, but a major challenge for him is how to handle Baker Mayfield. And if he is dealing with a ribs issue, then you know what? By all means, let him sit for a couple weeks, play Case Keenum, and then try to humble him in some way because I think that goes a long way in your attitude and your, even your performance on the football field. So, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, uh, ongoing rib issue. I haven't seen that it's affecting his status for any upcoming games, but if it is serious, maybe give him some time off and see what happens. Uh, moving on now to that huge Titans injury that we talked about earlier in the show, Taylor Lewan, their left tackle, one of the best left tackles in the sport, tears his ACL on the final play of the game, Matt. Uh, this, I mean, this is a huge loss for any team, but I mean, the Titans are rolling right now and this is a huge blow to their offensive line. I don't know if there's a more impactful injury to any team that's happened this year than Taylor Lewan because he means so much to that offensive line and they predicate so much of their game to power running and Derrick Henry is that back. I mean, I I don't want to take anything away from Derrick Henry, but like he's really good after contact. And when he gets that head of steam going now, teams may be able to get to Derrick Henry in the backfield, which makes a huge difference. I mean, we see Tannehill lighting it up and we all know a quarterback's best friend is a great left tackle that protects that blind side. And the Titans don't have cupcakes coming up. I mean, they still play in a tough division. I think I do believe they still got to play the Colts twice. They got the bears coming up. So there are teams out there, and I I don't mean to, like, say the Bears are Tennessee quality offensively, but they can make life difficult. Well, defensively, we talked about the Bears. I mean, they're going to make their – it was tough with Taylor Lewan, so it's going to got that much more difficult for the Titans to play them, for sure. So, so, I mean, we take a look at these things, and, I mean, the Titans, it's it's a big loss, and I don't want to understate it. And if they can withstand this loss, I, I my hat's off to them but you're looking at teams like the chiefs and Steelers that you're going to have to try to compete with and to get that first round by, because remember everyone, there's seven teams going to the playoffs and there's only one by. So there's mm-hmm. no longer two. You don't want to play on that first week in the playoffs. If you're a team like the Titans, who's extra physical and who had their bye week already, this team is not going to get a break. So that first round by is huge for them. It's also huge for Pittsburgh. So we can't underscore that. So when we take a look at this team, I don't know how they get that by Randy. I, th- I still think they win this division because I think the Colts are too Jekyll and Hyde-ish. I don't trust Phillip Rivers mm-hmm. as much as I thought I would by performances. So Tennessee's really got to get the ball moving here. And, and it worries me that Taylor Lewan's no longer a part of that. Good point. I mean, about the bye weeks, especially because uh, they both had to have that bye moved up and those two teams play each other this week. So uh, they're going to get that test in the Steelers defense uh, coming up this weekend. So uh, now I want to quick touch on Raheem Mostert, who uh, it looks like he's going to be placed on the IR with a high ankle sprain. And this is the second time already this year he's had an injury sidelining him for a couple weeks. Uh, And it's once again, the Jarek McKinnon show for the 49ers. Yeah, I, I got to say, your prediction along with Corey Decker, hats off to both of you. Picking the Cardinals to finish second and the 49ers to finish third and the Seahawks to finish first. I, The 49ers just feel snake bitten this year. Like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. I mean, Jimmy G getting hurt, missing two and a half games realistically. Most are their most explosive player offensively. I, I mean, I don't know how – what six games now because he's expected to miss a month or more you said they might put him on ir 
So that's basically almost the rest of the season. I don't know if they designate him to come back or if they got another player that they'll designate to come back. But like Richard Sherman's on IR. There's so many guys on IR for this football team. Most are hurts because then, yeah, it's just Jarek McKinnon now. So Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know, Randy. I I think this one is one of those fatal blows for a team trying to scratch back and claw its way back into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, Mostert's uh, a huge for that team. Uh, Quick, can you tell me what round Mostert was drafted in by any chance? Actually, I believe he was an undrafted free agent, and he was on the Bears practice squad. Interesting. Interesting how that works. Uh, All right. That's good to know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's uh, just something I wanted to point out. Uh, Now moving on to two Eagles injuries, and uh, these are big ones. Zach Ertz has been kind of a shell of himself all year, but he has an ankle problem. Uh, And now Miles Sanders has a knee issue, which seems to be much more serious, and he looks like he's going to miss a couple weeks as well. Uh, This is relevant because they play Thursday night football. Uh, What do you make of these two injuries? But, I mean, Zach Ertz is gone, but it looks like they're going to get Dallas Goddard back. So, I mean, at least they have that. But Zach Ertz has been a big-time target for Carson Wentz for a long time, and Miles Sanders has been awesome this year so far. Miles Sanders is is by far the biggest injury. Um, Like you said, Zach Ertz hasn't been Zach Ertz. I don't think Zach Ertz wants to be in Philly anymore. So, I mean, yelling at the GM, fighting with people inside the organization, that's just – that's tough to see. Uh, But Miles Sanders has been the home run hitter on offense for them without Alshon Jeffrey and without Deshaun Jackson. Um, God, the wide receiver, I can't remember his name, who's really showing up playing really well um travis fulgham fulgham yes he needs sanders to help alleviate some of that pressure now teams can focus on him to take him away from this team um hopefully goder can come back and really play well because this philly team needs that to get in first place with the cowboys oh man (laughs) this division is such dog shit um (laughs) <laughs> well, let's talk about it now because we have Thursday night game coming up and it's the NFC least showdown. Uh, the second place Philadelphia Eagles at one, four and one <laughs> against the New York football giants at one and five. Uh, and the first thing I wrote down here, Matt, is someone has to win this division. And I kind of feel like it's Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I don't know who they beat outside of this division. Um, but really I look at it like, okay, Philly just needs to beat the Cowboys, the giants and the Washington football club. Those are the only teams that they need to beat. And I think they're more than capable of doing so. I don't think the Cowboys with Andy Dalton is going to win this division. And I sure as hell don't think the giants are going to win this division. My biggest question is if they go like six, nine and one or heaven forbid, five, 10 and one, and they win this division. What the hell does the NFL do at that point? I mean, they, each, each division gets represented in the playoffs, regardless of record. Um, at the end of the day, whoever wins the division, whether it's six wins, five wins, and they're going to go to the playoffs. Uh, I think it'd be worse, uh, especially if the Eagles were, six, nine, and one, and they go into Chicago and the Bears double doink another field goal and the, the Eagles win another playoff game that way, uh, which <laughs> I wouldn't put it past that that happening. But uh, I'm sorry to bring up a bad memory, but um, I think Don't the Eagles are better than we think. That and I said me. that. 
<laughs> I said this in our group chat as that game was on. Philadelphia is better, better than we think. Uh, they have played the Steelers tough. They've played the Ravens tough. I don't think any other team in the division is going to play either of those teams relatively tough at all. Uh, I think they have much a much higher ceiling um, than any of the other teams in the division. Um, Carson Wentz played well in that game. He had some bad drops from receivers. He threw a beautiful ball to Greg Ward. It just slipped right out of his hands. Um, I don't know if Carson Wentz is going to finish the year as the quarterback. It might end up being uh, Jalen Hurts. But regardless, the Philly defensive front is still pretty elite. They played really well in that game, uh, despite Baltimore having success on the ground. The reason Philly got to come back is because they were able to hold Baltimore from scoring as much in the second half. So um, I think Philly has – the personnel, despite being really banged up, they're banged up on the offensive line. Lane Johnson's out. The only starter they have that st- the only two starters they have that started the year on offense are Wentz and Trap and Kelsey, Jason Kelsey at center. So they're banged up. But at the end of the day, here uh, I, I trust Doug Peterson, uh, and I don't know why, but I kind of trust Carson Wentz to get the job done here. I, I think they're going to win the division at eight, seven and one. It's going to start with a win this Thursday against the giants. Matt, what do you make of this matchup in particular? The, the Eagles seem to me like they're perfectly average. You know, <clears throat> I, I think they could have easily beaten the Steelers. Well, not easily, but they could have beaten the Steelers. They could have beaten the Ravens this past mm-hmm. week. And I don't think any team in this division outside of the Eagles could say that. But by far, um, I, yeah. I think I think the Giants, the football club, <laughs> the football team and the um, Cowboys all get obliterated by those teams, as we'll probably see later on this year. So, yeah, I'm going with the Eagles. I, I think the Eagles win this game pretty ugly. Um, I, I just there's no dominant unit for the Eagles, so it's hard to see how they separate, but I think they're coached well enough. And I think the giants are so bad on the offense. I think their defensive line, I think their defensive line is, is probably the most dominant part of their team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is probably what's going to push them over the edge against the Cowboys and um, the giants. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Eagles here, Randy. And if I, if you, you made me pick a score, I think this team can score. I'm going to go Eagles 27, the Giants 17. Here's my thing. And I know there's a new coaching regime and there's, you know, Giants been competitive and they, you know, they won a game. So everyone's happy about it. I mean, that's probably the worst you could feel after a win uh, that I could think of. I mean, so many things had to happen and it's more to me that Washington lost the game than the Giants won. I know that doesn't matter. All that matters is you score more points to the other team and you win. The Giants, uh, you want to be optimistic about them, fine, but uh, Daniel Jones has regressed. He's gotten much worse. The offensive line is not is not good, um, and the, the defense is much better than I thought they were going to be, and James Bradbury is a big reason why, and Blake Martinez is a big reason why. Kyle Fackerel has played pretty well the last few weeks. Um, Leonard Williams, who I've killed the trade so much, uh, he has three sacks already this year. So credit to him for playing well. Um, you know, the defensive uh, effort from the Giants cannot be understated. And I think it's a big credit to Joe Judge and Patrick Graham. But the offense is completely an indictment on Dave Gettleman and on Jason Garrett. And it is just so bad to watch offensively. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to, you know, curse them in this game too, because I think the Philly defensive line is going to have a, a nice day. Um, and Daniel Jones, you know, struggled all year now. So 
Uh, and here's the other thing about the Giants Eagles matchup. And this, this felt like every time they go to Philly, something stupid happens and the Giants somehow fall apart. And I go back to 2014. Um, the Giants finally had a healthy Victor Cruz, a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. Um, they had all their weapons that they you know, thought they were going to have. And then Victor Cruz literally blows his patella tendon completely off of his knee, tears every ligament in his knee, gets carted off the field. And I feel like ever since then, the Giants get owned in Philly and they have not won in Philly since 2013. They haven't even beat Philly since 2016. 16. So this has been four years since the Giants have even beaten Philly. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen this time. So, you know, I think it's going to be ugly because I don't think Philly is very good either, but um, I think it's going to be 23 to 13 Philly. And this game is going to be largely um, unwatchable from an offensive football standpoint. But uh, regardless, Philly's going to walk out of this game in first place in the NFC East, and they will be two, four, and one, which is pretty embarrassing. But that's where we are in 2020 in the NFC East. Yeah, I couldn't say better myself. All right, Matt, it's time to start wrapping the show up, wrapping a bow on this. Uh, first, we want to give some fantasy updates. Can you tell us about our 12-teamer Audible Fantasy League? Yes, your guy. I did it. I beat our last undefeated team. Um, you know, I, I don't know how my team does it. it. It's like we're made of rubber bands and paper clips, and we just try to make it week by week. But we did end up winning 121 to 96. Um, you know, just kind of more lucky than good, really, with that team. So right now, if we're looking at the standings, which is quite impressive, um, our guy, Akil, who is our beloved Patriots fan, he is 3-3, three and three, leading his division over um, the Shit Rockers, which is Ryan Shiner's team, 2-4, and four, Little Giants, your guy, Stephen Furlong, 1-5, and five, and our guy, Sean Connor Flannery of the Total Basis Podcast, is 1-5 in our East Division. Kind of like the NFC East a little bit, um, oddly enough. Then our West Division. <laughs> this is a lot like our NFC West Division, Randy. Um, Easy Breezy, who was 5-0, and 5-1. Oh, now he's 5-1, and one, thanks to me. Our pistol offense is 3-3. Three and three. That's Christopher Hopper. It's all a problem, which is your boy right here. Uh, we're 3-3, three and three, and Corey <laughs> Decker is also 3-3. Three and three. Um, A lot of stuff in the minutia there. Then our North Division. Um, Thunderbolts EJ is five and one looks like the best team in the league overall. He just has a really solid team, but a lot of Cowboys here and with Andy Dalton in may not be looking so good. Um, then our guy, Chris Frederick, who is our, another bears fan. He's four and two Fammy, um, one of our loyal listeners and watchers. He's three and three. And then Felipe, who is also not another one of our loyal followers and joined me this past Friday to discuss fantasy. He is also three and three. So you can see we have a lot of average and some bad in this league, but everyone's kind of right around that good range. Uh, it sounds competitive at the end of the day, you want a competitive fantasy league. So I, I love that. Uh, good for you guys. And special shout out to Felipe Melicio for holding it down for me while I was gone. You guys did a great job on that show. I did get to listen a little bit. Um, for uh, a little while i didn't get to watch the whole show but i turned tuned in for a few minutes so what i heard you guys uh certainly gave some excellent advice uh which led me 
to uh, move to 500 in our 10-teamer in the Audible Fantasy world. Uh, Bizarro Dave Gettleman, yours truly, scored 169 points, just absolutely exploded. I'm sorry on Jake <laughs> Anthony Moses, our friend, uh, our Jets fan, uh, absolutely just gets destroyed by me. And I had three players alone that would have beaten Jake in Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, and Matt Ryan, outscored him by themselves. So I beat him 169 to 92. Aiden Schrader falling to two and four to Mac attack who proves to six and zero, one hundred and fifty to one Hundred and six. Uh, Blaze and Brett improving to five hundred ninety-two to eighty-eight over my buddy Anthony uh, N.Y. Dolpe with the split Giants Dolphins jersey. Uh, he falls to three and three. So we have two five hundred teams there. Uh, our friend uh, Brett, no, our friend. Uh, I'm sorry, Ricky falls to Danny Dimes, 85 to 82, which is a brutal score. You're so close. Uh, but now Danny Dimes improves to four and two and Ricky falls to four and two. And then we have you, Matt, you improved to three and three cutters, Cutler's attic, 110 over tourist sucked 79. Uh, so look at us 500 back into the mix here in the audible 10 team fantasy league. You know, it just matters where you finish, right, Randy? You know, it's just <laughs> climbing that wall, baby. We just got to keep on climbing. And thank you for getting revenge on Jacob because Jacob barely beat me last week. He had this one coming. Take that, Jacob. Yeah, he caught me on the worst week possible because I thought I'm going to have another performance like that all year. But I'll take being 500 in all my leagues. I'm basically 500 and I'm in six of them. So this has been uh, quite the mediocre, <laughs> mediocre year for me. Uh, but, you know, when you manage six fantasy leagues, you just try to stay afloat and uh, try to get into the playoffs as many of them as possible. And then anything can happen. Uh, quick, Matt, I want to get your thoughts. It is a uh, waiver wire uh, Wednesday coming up tomorrow. Do you have anyone you're trying to, uh, to snag before uh, Thursday night football? Oh man, I really, it's just running back, running back, running back at this point. Um, looking at the Eagles um, running back situation with Miles Sanders out. So now I need to find a guy with some carries. If you're like me, <laughs> a lot of your running backs are on IR or soon to be on IR. So there's a couple of guys, um, McKissick from Washington. I know we talked about him um, as a possible option. Uh, really, Boston Scott for the Eagles, possibly at running back. Steal my thunder? How dare you steal my thunder? Oh, well, I'm sorry, but I mean, it's thin. It's so thin. Um, wide receiver gets even thinner for a lot of these guys. So, really, I just. You know, hoping a prayer for a lot of you guys, but running back McKissick and um, Scott for the Eagles are my two guys that I'm watching. Yeah, so uh, Boston Scott is the guy for me with Miles Sanders being out. Uh, Boston Scott runs hard. He had a nice week uh, against the Giants last year in place of Miles Sanders. So I have no doubt that Boston Scott could have another great week. If you don't want to play a guy on Thursday Night Football, I totally understand that. I do like the, the McKissick call. I think that's smart. Uh, I would look at the 49ers backfield if uh, Jerick McKinnon's probably not available, but maybe look into a backup situation for him. The Niners will always be a run-heavy offense, so – um, you know, take that into consideration. So just a heads up here, the Colts, the Dolphins, the Vikings, and the Ravens are all on a bye this week. So if you need a quarterback, uh, Justin Herbert's coming off of a bye. He might be available. Uh, the Dolphins are on a bye, but in one of my leagues, I have Daniel Jones as my backup. I'm considering dropping him and snagging Tua. 
just in case Tua is special. Uh, I have him stored on my bench and then someone else doesn't use him against me. So I'm considering doing that. Um, but, and also if you have not, I mean, if, if somehow Tim Patrick's still available in your league, uh, I would be, you know, trying to get him, obviously. I think if you haven't done that by now, um, <laughs> you need to jump on it if he's available. So uh, if he is available, by all means, go for it. Uh, and Keenan Cole, Keelan Cole of the Jaguars has been uh, had a nice year so far too. So if you need a wide receiver, I pick up Keelan Cole. He's been better than Shark, and uh, the Jags always seem to be finding themselves in garbage time situations, and he usually is in a, uh, in a beneficiary of that. So I look into Keelan Cole as well. All right, Matt. So uh, we are going to wrap things up here. Um, can you tell us about the rest of the shows we have on our little uh, Life Group podcast network? Yep, so um, I'm not sure if they are going next week, but Leon Tompkins and Jacob Anthony Moses are going to every other week with the Step Back podcast since it's the off season. Um, we do have on Thursday, nothing going on. Friday, we're back, Randy. Another episode of The Audible previewing week seven and time is flying, really is. And also looking back on the Giants and Eagles. So check us out Friday, noon Eastern. Then we rock out with Total Basis Podcast on Sunday. World Series stuff going on. It may be over by Sunday. It may not. Dodgers Rays should be a pretty interesting episode to go off of. And then Dong City follows that on Monday. And then we're back on Tuesday. So the Life Group Podcasts are kind of trimming down, getting ready for their little vacation. Why we, Randy, the hardest working men in podcasting Life Group business are always with our loyal listeners i don't know dog city might have that title somehow they managed to have all these shows as all those baseball negotiations were ongoing those guys have yet to miss a week so those guys really uh, have held it down all year long so credit to vince and henry for their consistency and their work ethic with that and it is truly inspiring uh it makes me want to keep coming back with you every single week matt uh but this is it another week in the books for us it's been a pleasure to talk football with you thank you guys for holding it down for me when i was gone jake you should strongly considering heading up to the mountains over there and uh, upstate new york it is a beautiful Beautiful time of the year to do so wherever you are hope the fall foliage foliage is half as beautiful as it is in upstate new york but matt it has been a pleasure i will talk to you on friday we will see all of you on friday thank you so much for joining us on facebook youtube any of our audio platforms apple spotify anchor we appreciate all the support we can get no matter where you are how you're listening it is greatly appreciated so i'm randy hammond on behalf of matt bushnell saying so long and we'll talk to you guys on friday <laughs>